Hey guys, uh, just a heads up at the front end tonight. Uh, we are not quite up to recording today, and uh, I know you're looking forward to the next episode talking about Harry Potter, um, but we're just not there just yet. Uh, our plan is to record by week's end to get the episode out to you about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Um, but in the meantime, I figured I wouldn't leave you hanging. Uh, I'm going to hand uh, this episode over to my former self uh, from all the way back in 2014 uh, when I had a now defunct uh, podcast known as Catching Up With Marvel. Um, it's not great. Uh, it is somehow worse than favorite things. Uh, so don't be surprised if the quality is not as good. Uh, and it's just me talking because I was in my spare room just talking to myself. Uh, also don't pay attention to any, uh, websites, social media, or advertisements as I believe most, if not all are now defunct. So, uh, if you're still with us and willing to stick around for a bit, uh, please uh, hang around for the very first episode of Catching Up with Marvel. See you guys in a few days with Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Stick around. Welcome to this first episode of Catching Up with Marvel. I'm your host, Mark Burdett, and today we're going to be talking about, well, what we're all about. Uh, this is my first podcast ever, so bear with me. I have never, ever done this before, so let's get started. Uh, first, uh, why, why now? Why this podcast? And uh, the answer is... Honestly, I just want to share the stuff I love. The stuff I love is comic books. I love comic books. And why Marvel as opposed to DC, Image, IDW, or any of the infinite other independent and awesome comic books out there? The answer is uh, Marvel is in many ways my first love when it comes to comic books. The first comic book I ever actually read was X-Men number one by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. And I remember looking at other comic books before that. I remember seeing the pictures and thinking, wow, that's cool. I like superheroes. That's neat. But X-Men number one was the first comic book that I actually sat down and read. Um, it was, it was mind blowing. You had Wolverine just slashing through uh, robots, slashing through the floor coming after Professor X. You had Cyclops using his optic blast. You had Magneto, who for some reason wasn't really a bad guy, but was an antagonist um, up on Asteroid M. And it was amazing, but on the flip side, it was also very confusing because at that point, the X-Men were nearing 30 years of history. And that's 30 years of history I had not experienced. X-Men number one was a, was a great jumping off point, but at the same time there was a lot of confusion. And so 
um, I've decided to start this group and this podcast, uh, Catching Up with Marvel, uh, as kind of an unofficial Marvel Unlimited uh, podcast slash group. Um, if you're not familiar with Marvel Unlimited, let me give you the sales pitch. Uh, ahead of time, I do not work for Marvel. I am not affiliated with Marvel. Uh, I am one of their customers who is very pleased with the product they put out. Uh, Marvel Unlimited, uh, if you want the short version, is is for Marvel Comics what Netflix is for movies and television shows. Uh, Marvel Unlimited is a service that you can either pay $9.99 a month for or you can pay uh, $70 a year for. Uh, there is another version that you can pay more for, um, but uh, we're going we're gonna to primarily focus on the, the, the lower two entry points. Um, for me, comics have been something that I try to stay involved in, but over the years I've had times where I've kind of slipped out, um, slip back in and occasionally it's very jarring uh, when you go from one situation to another for example um, I I kind of dropped off of comic books in about 2002 right around the time the first Spider-Man uh, movie was coming out um, and then I popped back in uh, around 2006 right around the time of Civil War um, and it was a completely different scene than what I had left. When I left, uh, Spider-Man, uh, was separated from Mary Jane. Um, she may or may not be dead. Um, that the X-Men were in the middle of their Grant Morrison run, which was very heady, very weird, especially for a, for a high school student who was used to his 1990s X-Men. Um, every, the Avengers were were uh, at the height of Kurt Busiek's run. Um, it was it was very different. Uh, and then I came back in Civil War to the to the trade paperback by Mark Miller, and while amazing, while it was just mind blowing, at the same time it was very jarring because it was a very different universe than the one I had left. And so maybe you're listening today, and uh, you've uh, you've not read a comic book in maybe months, maybe years, and the setting that you're coming into is very different than the one you left. Um, if that's the case, this group, this podcast, are for you. Uh, the format of the podcast is basically going to be: I'm going to come on here, and I'm totally going to nerd out about what I'm reading right now on Marvel Unlimited. Um, and in the group, we're going to treat it kind of like a book club. We're going to have some assigned reading. We're going to we're going to read um, through. We're going to try to go through no more than six to eight issues a week um, together, just because we want it to be fairly relaxed. But at the same time, we want to cover a good bit of ground. Um, but we're going to talk about that, discuss it, and. Uh, every few weeks, the discussion that's in the group is going to spill over into the podcast, and we'll, um, if if not audibly, because I'm not entirely tech savvy, um, then at least via emails, comments, we're gonna we're gonna bring the discussion out into the into the audience of the podcast, and so um, 
All right, and so um, we're going to start by talking about uh, a movie that's kind of on people's minds because it's uh, it's out there. It's it's already been hailed as possibly one of the greatest superheroes superhero movies ever, um, and it in my mind almost deserves it. It's the new uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier film. Uh, if you haven't seen it. Um, Beware, there are spoilers ahead. Um, but uh, it is based loosely on an arc from uh, Captain America, volume. I'm trying to remember if it's volume four or five. It was written around 2004, uh, shortly before the Civil War uh, epic. Um, but the whole point of the storyline is. Uh, Captain America is is a little distracted. He's he's fighting the good fight. He's doing what Captain America does, going out, kicking butt, taking names. And um, all of a sudden, um, some mysterious things start happening. Uh, the Red Skull is assassinated. They don't know who did it. They don't know why. All they know is that, mysteriously, they find the Red Skull with a big gaping hole in his chest uh, in an apartment. Uh, they also find that the person who did it is, uh, is a mysterious assassin known as the Winter Soldier. As the story progresses, you come to find out that the Winter Soldier is none other than Bucky. Uh, if you're not familiar with comics history, uh, Bucky was Captain America's sidekick uh, during World War II. Um, he died when he was caught in a blast, um, the same blast that knocked... Uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America, into the into the ice and froze him for however many years it is between World War II and the current story that they're writing. Um, but uh, it was a big deal because for ages there were there were rules about comic book deaths, and that the rules were anyone can come back from the dead except Bucky, and. Uh, and that was basically it. I mean, Jean Grey died uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, and then they brought her back six years later. Uh, she died again just recently, uh, and they found a neat little way to bring her back. We'll talk about that in another episode. But uh, it was a huge deal because Bucky had effectively been dead for ages, and they'd had other Buckys that would come in and... and and step up, take the mantle, but they weren't the Bucky. They weren't, um, they weren't young Mr. Barnes. And so this was a big deal. They brought him back and they did it in such a good way. Uh, he was brought back as a super spy, uh, that would be thought out, uh, for a mission. Um, he had been augmented with a bionic arm. Uh, he would pull off assassinations and then they would put him right back under ice. And uh, it really worked out because the Winter Soldier, Bucky, was an amazing foil for, uh, for Captain America uh, for two reasons. One, he was a physical match. Two, uh, imagine facing off against your best friend, the guy that watched your back, you watched his, you were as close as brothers, and all of a sudden, here he is, and he's trying to kill you. And not only that, he doesn't even remember you. You're just another face in the crowd to him. And one that's in his way, no less. And so 
this really gets under Steve Rogers' skin. And the, the whole series by Ed Brubaker is amazing. Uh, I highly recommend it. Because um, this is Captain America that if you haven't read this run or anything after it, it's Captain America in a way you've never seen him before. Um, it's much deeper. Um, it's very similar to the Captain America you saw in, uh, in the newest movie. Um, he's just a great, great character. And even better as a character is the Winter Soldier slash Bucky, who um, shortly into the series gets his memory back and becomes kind of an anti-hero for a bit. Um, he is uh, he's the super spy who goes out and, and just totally will... He's, he's not afraid to kill to accomplish a mission. Uh, whereas Captain America is a little bit more hesitant. Uh, something Ed Brubaker does that a lot of people shied away from is they tell Captain America as a war story, as a soldier story, and Captain America is a soldier. And as that, Captain America was not afraid to kill if he needed to. It's a last resort, as killing always should be. Uh, it's not something to be treated lightly, and, and Cap doesn't. However, Bucky is a little quicker to arrive at that point. That's the Winter Soldier. Wow, I just squeaked a little bit. Um, but this, this, this line goes on. A lot of villains from Cap's past come out throughout the run, and it all culminates about the time of Civil War. Um, and we're going we're gonna to cross over into Civil War talk a little bit, uh, something that we'll probably cover later. Um, but long and short of it is, the side that Captain America is on in the Civil War um, loses because Cap surrenders. He says, you know what, I was wrong, I surrender. Cap is arrested, he's being led up the steps of a courthouse, and Captain America is assassinated. I mean, he's shot several, several times. And you're reading this run of Captain America, and they're only about 25 issues in, and they just killed off the main character. And I was wondering at that point while reading, I'm like, what are they going to do? What are, how are they going to, how are they going to treat this? And the way they handle it is really well. Um, similar to, uh, if you ever read in the 1990s, the Death of Superman arc, um, uh, and I would say the Captain America arc is better written and better drawn and just better. Um, but it, it asks the question, what would the world be like without Captain America? And... Uh, for a few issues, Ed Brubaker really explores that. He explores that from the view of uh, Sharon, uh, Agent 13, who's Captain America's girlfriend. Uh, she's kind of alluded to in the Winter Soldier movie. Uh, through the eyes of Bucky, the Winter Soldier, he's really viewing this because he is he's kind of been on a slow road to redemption, and then this happens, and he's very hurt because he hasn't even really gotten to sit down and talk with Steve um, since he got back, got his memories back. And so he's hurting. He's really hurting. And he's dealing with it. Uh, the Falcon is dealing with this. Uh, the world is dealing with the whole issue of, of what do we do now? Captain America's dead. And eventually, 
through through some circumstances. I won't totally spoil it, but Bucky becomes the new Captain America. Um, and it is handled so well and so tastefully that I bought it. I, I don't like it whenever um, a new person comes in and tries to take the mantle of, uh, of an old superhero, but Marvel handled it extremely well. For one thing, when, when Bucky becomes Captain America, it's, it's very apparent this is not Steve Rogers. This is not Steve Rogers, Captain America. He is, he is a different uniform, uh, whereas Steve Rogers, Captain America, was always red, white, and blue. Red, white, and blue. Uh, that's that's the only colors that are on the costume, just about besides his belt. And Bucky's costume is honestly a lot of black. It's it's very much a commando uniform. It has the red, white, and blue on it, um, but it's very black. Uh, Bucky also uses guns and knives. He's a he's a commando. He still uses the shield, but he's not afraid to use firearms and and knives like a special forces officer would. And he goes out. And he makes the the identity of Captain America his own. It's a different Captain America. Even to the public, it's obvious it's not Steve Rogers. It's a different Captain America. And as the run progresses, eventually uh, Steve Rogers comes back. And I'm that's about where I'm at right now. I'm I'm reading the Captain America Reborn right now, and so far it's really good. Um, but I say all that to say this. Uh, this was a very different uh, Captain America story than the ones I grew up with. Uh, before I read Ed Brubaker's run on Captain America, the last Captain America, strictly Captain America story I had read was in the 1990s. Uh, he was in, I believe he was in the Savage Land uh, with Black Panther and Diamondback. Um, and it was, it's a very old comic by today's standards, um, but it's it's also a very different cap than we have today. And I was listening to a podcast not too long, and one of the one of the writers said that Captain America, as a character, whenever he is being written, there goes sirens. That's nice. Um, whenever Captain America is being written, he is a reflection of the times in which he's being written. Um, so during the 1950s, you had writers who were trying to resurrect Captain America who uh, wrote him as this kind of anti-communist uh, hunter. He went after the commies. Um, and his writers progressed, and act they actually brought Steve Rogers back in, in the 1960s in Avengers number 3. Uh, they discovered they were going to have a slight problem uh, dealing with uh, Captain America uh, beaten on the commies. And so what they did was uh, they retconned it. They said, oh, that didn't happen. Well, years later, uh, they, uh, they, they explained that that Captain America was, was a different individual entirely. And they addressed that individual in, in the Ed Brubaker run. But throughout the years, if, if you look at Captain America, he has times like during the Vietnam War where he struggles a lot, um, and in the Ed Brubaker run, he kind of struggles with, you know, who who am I? I'm Captain America. I'm a, I'm the representation of America, of the American military. I'm I'm almost as much a figurehead as the President of the United States, 
and how can I do this and still maintain my uh, my values and it's something once again if you've seen the Captain America movies either one of them you'll notice that Cap really wrestles with who he is and and this identity especially in Winter Soldier there's a point where he says uh, this isn't this isn't freedom this is fear and it's something that I love about the character of Captain America I love throughout this run of Captain America he is he's the guy who fights for what he believes in and at the same time very seldom will he sacrifice his morals to do it he still does he is foul he is a fallible character which once again I appreciate that they don't write him as an absolute paragon but he he is fallible but at the same time he sticks to his guns and it's something that I find admirable especially in the world we live in where anti-heroes seem to be the um, the ones people look up to I, I enjoy having a hero that I can look up to that said, uh, that, that's been me geeking out over uh, Ed Brubaker's early run. Um, we're coming down to the last few minutes of the show. It's going to be a short first episode. Uh, this is my first one. Um, but uh, for, this, uh, for this next couple of weeks, uh, we're actually going to be looking at uh, the celebrated Joss Whedon run of Astonishing X-Men, starting with Astonishing X-Men number one and going through issue number six. It's a great, great run. If you hadn't, if you haven't read an X Men comic, or you haven't read an X Men comic in years, uh, Astonishing X Men number one through six is a phenomenal read. Uh, you can find it right there on the Marvel Unlimited app. Or if you're not ready to commit to Marvel Unlimited just yet, and you're looking for a good, uh, a good trade paperback or a good series of issues. You can buy it on Amazon. You can uh, you can go to your local comic shop. Uh, most of the time, they'll either carry the trade, or they'll carry the individual issues. Um, I believe that first uh, first set is gifted. Um, look for that. Read those first six issues. It's it's the first really quarter of Joss Whedon's arc. Uh, the writing is amazing. We'll geek out over it in the group. Um, but if you're a Joss Whedon Joss Whedon fan, you'll find a lot to love. If you're an X-Men fan, you're going to find a lot to love. But take a look at that. Read it. Enjoy John Cassidy's amazing artwork. Uh, enjoy the, the snark that comes out of the X-Men's mouths. I think you'll enjoy it. But for now, that's all I've got. I'll see you again next time on Catching Up with Marvel. Marvel.